Hey guys, welcome back to the CWS 247 podcast. We're here for another episode. What a night in the SEC last night and what a night it's going to be tonight. And we're not here to just talk SEC today. We're here to talk about all the conferences, but we would be remiss to not start with the SEC. Uh, Mitch, Reggie, fantastic action between Tennessee and Alabama, Ole Miss and Vanderbilt, as well as the other two games yesterday. Uh, how are we all feeling today as we head into another day in Hoover and across the country? I'm hyped up. I'm ready to go. Uh, there's nothing more I want to do than sit on my butt and watch college baseball for 15 hours. So we're going to get that going. That starts today. Very excited for our uh, Kumar-Wicklander matchup tonight in Hoover. And very excited for just the day in general. I mean, yesterday you could have woke up at uh, 9 a.m. Central time and you could have, you woke up with Big 12 baseball and you could have gone to bed with the uh, Conference USA tournament still going on until 3 in the morning. Who? What else can you love? All of the cool kids are calling it breakfast with the SEC. It's a hashtag that all the, the real analysts are using. Highly encourage anybody out there listening to just start using hashtag breakfast with the SEC, breakfast with the Big 12, breakfast with the Conference USA, Breakfast with CWS 247. This is being recorded during the Mississippi State-Tennessee game, where Tennessee, last I checked, leads 4-1. to one. Can anybody confirm that is still the score? Yeah, that is still the score. that is the score. Love, well, we don't love to hear it, but that is uh, – I'm glad that I'm updated on that. Uh, gentlemen, let's dive into last – yesterday's Tennessee and Alabama game, specifically the ending. Uh, quite the – you don't want to call it a, a ref show, but that seems to be what everybody who lives in in volunteer country is calling it. I mean, it's the right call. You can't interfere with the guy with the uh, throw. You can slide in a second, but you can't reach your arm up and do anything to interfere with the throw being made. It's uh, to me, it was when I watched the video, it was a pretty clear call. Anyone who has been watching baseball for a length of time, would be able to watch that and go, you know, that doesn't look right. He's clearly trying to interfere with the throw to first. Now that that's where we have to throw in the caveat with Tennessee fans. A lot of people don't know this, but th- that was their first baseball game they've ever watched for a lot of Tennessee fans. So they don't, <laughs> they, they don't really know what, what interference is. They don't know that as it turns out, Max Ferguson can't grab an Alabama second baseman's uh, crotch. Uh but they learned that yesterday, I, although I don't think they learned their lesson, but they did see it. And I think there are – I was surprised how many how many Tennessee fans are really concerned that the game was rigged against them simply based on that call, which was not even a debate, the correct call. But so many Tennessee fans are just ready to leave Hoover, say, you know what, let's not even play today against Mississippi State – that'll really show the SEC because if they're rigging a game against us, the best way to retaliate is by leaving the tournament, which would be what they would want if it was rigged against you. So basically the scenario is it's a tie game in the bottom of the ninth. Tennessee has runners on first and third. There's one out and they ground into what should be a double play ball. And Max Ferguson is sliding into second and reaches his right arm up as the, ball, as the ball is being thrown from second to first and grabs the Alabama player's crotch. And the throw Yikes. ends up 
ends up going offline and then they don't they don't get the out. Tennessee dog piles on the field as if they've just won. And then obviously they uh the the umpires review it and they call interference at second. So not only is Max Ferguson out, but the runner at uh the guy running to first was also declared out, which sent the game to extras and then Alabama won three to two in extras. That leads us into the final game of the evening in Hoover, Ole Miss and Vanderbilt, an exciting game through and through. Almost looked like Ole Miss was going to pull it out. Tim Elko hit the three-run shot in the – what was that? Was that the sixth, seventh maybe? I don't know. Um, and then Vandy comes back in the bottom of the ninth, solidifies himself into a spot with Arkansas tonight. Uh, Noah and Mitch, what did you guys see in that one that impressed you? Uh, it felt like a game in uh, Omaha uh, in the sense that it was it was one of those where it felt like there was a lot more riding on it than what actually was. Theoretically, Ole Miss can still play for national seed. I don't know if they still can after losing that game. It would hard to be argued that if they win the SEC tournament that they are not going to be a national seed. But at the same time, it would have been nice to see them go undefeated in doing so to really secure that. Vanderbilt not really playing for anything, but it just it just felt bigger than what it was. And I think that Arkansas-Vanderbilt game tonight is going to feel a lot bigger than it actually is because those teams aren't playing for anything at all other than our pure entertainment. But the Ole Miss-Vanderbilt game was fantastic. Tim Elko is what college baseball is all about. You would never see that in a, in a professional sport of any variety. And I, I think that I would like to see Ole Miss play Vanderbilt again, but I understand if, if Ole Miss can't, can't quite make that game happen for us or if or Vanderbilt beats Arkansas, maybe we don't see it. But I think that a, a part two of that game would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah I mean – I kind of agree. Sorry. I man. mean, watching that game – so Tim Elko hit two home runs, one in the sixth and one in the eighth. And that game was uh, just back yeah. and forth. Because, I mean, you had – Vanderbilt takes the early lead and then Tim Elko hits a three-run shot and then Vanderbilt instantly ties it up the next inning and then Tim Elko hits – another home run in the eighth and then Vanderbilt rallies for the walk-off win at the bottom of the ninth but my main question is why is anyone throwing to Tim Elko this guy cannot run it seemingly would take two straight hits to score him if he reaches if he reaches base maybe even three straight hits so why not just intentionally walk him he's no threat on the base pass I don't really see like what you why you would throw to him when he's doing that to hitting two home runs that are ultimately leading to what could have been a Vanderbilt loss if they had not rallied in the bottom of the ninth. Also, live Tennessee just hit a home run to go up 5-1 during the Mississippi State game. Yikes. Watch out, dogs. Maybe an early exit. Um, Christian Little, people forgot Christian Little got hurt last night. Was literally in tears on the mound when he walked off. He was only at like 76 pitches. You, you hate to see that for a guy like him. He's kind of been Bandy's... Uh, man behind the curtain everybody hears about lighter and and kumar rocker christian little has been fantastic this year so to see him go out with an injury like that really 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 sucks for this vanderbilt team and the wheels ultimately didn't fall all the way off the bus but when little left the game that's when Ole miss started pouncing and it was a one nothing game up until that point Ole miss really made the most of their opportunities. They uh, got a fresh reliever to uh, who wasn't even warming up in the bullpen when Little got hurt. So um, kind of a heat of the moment situation, Ole Miss capitalized on it. 
Uh, I have a Christian little injury update. I, I don't have the official wording, but Kendall Rogers was in a was. I don't know if he asked the question to Tim Corbin, but he was reporting that Tim Corbin said that the uh, injury was nothing serious. Love to see that. The KP was saying that on the broadcast too. Said that uh, he was still up on the railing of the dugout. He said that yeah. as long as he was doing that, he uh, was still in relatively decent shape. Um, one thought that I had kind of after the game and I was laying in bed, I was like, did Ole Miss leave Jack Doherty in the game too long? Um, I don't think, I think they left him in fine. I, he's a good pitcher. I don't think that, you know, they're going to look back on that game and say, okay, this is the move that we, we shouldn't have made, or we should have made. I just, it's it's hard to to play those type of games when you're playing against a team of Vanderbilt's caliber. Yeah, I mean, I guess kind of looking at his like past couple of games, he's had some longer relief outings, but that was the most uh, pitches he had thrown in a single outing. And if he had, let's say, if Ole Miss had finished that out, that would have been his longest outing of the year. And I guess to me, it just kind of seems like you could definitely tell he didn't have the same stuff in the ninth inning that he'd had in the seventh and eighth. And it, to me, I just feel like when you got a guy in there who, when you gave up the tying run, it's like, okay, you might want to pull him at that point. But I guess I can't really disagree with uh, keeping him in there because he's been the arm that's gotten you here where you are now in the way that game was going after uh, Derek Diamond came out of the game. I was uh, Doherty was the one who took a, kind of took over the game and kept kept them in it and kept the Vanderbilt bats uh, away from the game. Not to mention that Doherty was on the mound like sucking air too. He was yeah. into it. He was like talking to himself. He was hyping himself up. It was it was uh, really impressive to watch him do that for three straight innings. Not to mention in the pouring rain. Yeah, and I guess one thing that it's it's nice to see is. Both of these, both Vanderbilt and Ole Miss, they were, whether or not, I mean, you can talk about, well, Vanderbilt didn't start either of their top two guys, but both of them were there to win it last night. Whereas I know during the Florida Mississippi State game yesterday, they were, the announcers were talking about how some teams come to the SEC tournament, they just use it as time to, you know, make adjustments if they need to going into the postseason play or use it as a tune up game or two. And they asked uh, Florida, coach Kevin O'Sullivan about how what his mentality is coming in the tournament and essentially he said I know my team I know my guys we don't like losing we're coming here to win we're com- we're giving it our all we're all in on this and I think that, that that's something that I really like to see personally and I think a lot more a lot more teams should have that mentality coming into the tournament but I can't understand why a team like Arkansas would come out and say well cop isn't pitching at all during the tournament but also, I'm not a fan of just going off of, oh, he could get hurt because we're going to have Kevin Copps who essentially may not throw for two weeks, and that's a guy who's throwing in one or even two games every weekend series, which I think that could throw him off going into the uh, regionals. What do you, like, what's your guys' thoughts on that? Uh, personally, I'm not a big believer in like the we're going into Hoover where we're just going to try and tune things up a little bit and do this and do that. I don't think that there's a degree of like trying between not trying to win and, and playing normally. I don't think that there are like levels to that. I think you could play like extra hard, but I think you either play hard or you don't. 
and I think that everybody in Hoover is they're not trying hard is is playing harder than a lot of teams could. Uh, so I, I don't believe that there are SC, that there are teams in the SEC tournament that are like, yeah, we're just here to, to to loosen things up and get ready to go in a few weeks. I think every team is trying to win. Although I think after the game, it's easy to say, well, they weren't really trying to win. They're just trying to get loose because they lost by 10 runs. Uh, Whatever fits the narrative, but yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, what about like I South don't... Carolina though? You're not, you're not, you're starting a guy who had had, was it like one or two starts going into that game? And it's a game that South Carolina has to win. Essentially seem, it would seem to most people, whereas South Carolina may not have seen it that way, but I don't see a way in which South Carolina ends up as a as a uh, top 16 seed at this point now. Well, I agree with that too, but I think it might have been something where South Carolina was just looking ahead and looked past Alabama and said that going into Hoover, we're going to save our guys for the for the better teams later on in the tournament, and it, it doesn't really matter how we win against Alabama as long as we sneak by, you know – the Alabama game doesn't matter, but obviously Alabama had different plans and South Carolina got sent home early. And I, I agree, Mitch. I don't, I don't think they're a regional host anymore. That's one of my favorite aspects of the entire postseason is how uh, head coaches manage how they use their starters because it's, yep. it's a huge risk reward. You see it. My, my favorite part is when is super regionals and like regional finals, how those like mesh together. Because we'll, I'm sure we'll see it with Vanderbilt where Kumaraka will not pitch when Kumaraka is supposed to pitch at some point this season. In fact, we we literally already saw it. He was he was theoretically supposed to pitch yesterday, but they did yeah. not pitch him. They did not pitch lighter. They went with their, you know, backup plan. And it, since it worked out, I would say Vanderbilt, outside of Arkansas, is the extreme favorite to win. Whereas if they had lost, they would obviously not not quite be on that level. But I think that you look at Vanderbilt ahead now and they can use Kumar tonight and then they don't play again until until Saturday if they if they win where they can throw lighter and then all of a sudden they're in the SEC championship. Yeah, well, like in Alabama's case, uh, SEC series are three games in conference play and Alabama is playing game three today. So anytime, any game they play after today, which they obviously will because they're in the winner's bracket, they're going to have to throw somebody who, who doesn't usually start. And that, that, to me, I agree, Noah, is, is a little mesmerizing seeing how coaches manage their teams and um, how they you know, might take into account a start somebody makes in, in February and say they did this against a similar, similarly built team and this is why we're going to throw them dead. I'll also add that Alabama's ace, Connor Prelip, is out for the year with Tommy John surgery, and that just happened, I believe, yesterday. So they are even shorter staffed than yep. – Yeah. Uh, I would just like to say uh, Tanner Allen just fouled about a ball off his foot and was clearly in pain. He was down for a, for a little bit of time. The trainer came out, was talking to him, and Tanner, Tanner Allen was kind of hobbling around. Stayed in the game to finish the at bat because it was an 0-2 count, and he grounded out and we struggled to get any. Looked like he was struggling to get down the line, so we just hope he's all right. Uh, well, flashback Tanner to, Allen is built of steel, so he'll be fine. But flashback to a few seconds ago when Mitch was telling us, you know, he don't really understand not playing guys because of risk of injury. <laughs> and the SEC, <laughs> the SEC Player of the Year just got hurt in an elimination game in Hoover. 
I was more so referring to pitchers, but how convenient. Teach your own, I guess. <laughs> I would also spin the narrative, the, Mitch. The, yeah. the Alabama who the Alabama pitcher who is definitely a first round pick next year. Uh, I don't know where his injury derived from, but he that si- that uh, Tommy John surgery was news yesterday. Yes. All right, so uh, I guess now we can kind of talk about were there other than I guess South Carolina losing. Was there any other big surprises from early on in the tournament? Well, Alabama's two and SEC tournament or in general? The SEC tournament. Alabama's two and zero. Alabama being two and zero emphasized Noah and Mississippi State being zero and one and a half right now. Yeah, I mean, I. I woke up a little bit late. I turned on the Florida game. Florida's up five to one on Mississippi State, and it just turned into thirteen to one, and then the run rule, and that was definitely not what I expected from that game at all. Yeah, I tweeted out uh, whatever night it was that oh tomorrow's going to be great when we have three night games in Hoover because Mississippi State usually goes extra innings in their first game in Hoover. So I said oh they're probably going to go twenty five innings, and the game literally didn't even go nine. It went seven innings. So yeah, credit me. Um. Might be panic time for Mississippi State if they drop this game to Tennessee. They're going to be one and five in their last six. Uh, that ain't it, or yeah. one and four in their last five. I think. Uh, yeah, one and four in their last five. I, but uh, I, I have never listed them as a super regional lock. A lot of people who are in the know have like when Kendall Rogers says the grass is green, the grass is green. But I have never, never put them on that tier. And I said that if they go 0-2 in Hoover, they're going to need some help. East Carolina losing helps, uh, although they're still alive in their tournament. Uh, But Florida winning, another surprise team in Hoover. Florida winning games and now potentially getting in that national seed conversation is very bad for Mississippi State if they go 0-2. They they would need some help with – they would need Oregon and Stanford to drop some games in their series this weekend or week, their series is this weekend. So as we look towards the end of the SEC tournament right now, we're recording this, obviously the Tennessee-Mississippi State game is currently going on. Tennessee is up 5-1 to one in the bottom of the fifth. So don't really know if we want to make a prediction for that game, but right now I guess we'd have to lean towards Tennessee winning. So the rest of the, uh, the matchups we have, so the uh, second game of the day will be Ole Miss and Georgia at 2. How, how are we feeling about that game? Uh. I think we, we've kind of become Ole Miss fans for, for a little little bit now for the past few weeks. Uh, I think they looked very good last night. I don't know how they're feeling heading into this one. First, you have your win taken out of your sails, and then you also have to play with two games in 12 hours. So that's a little bit tough. Uh, Georgia didn't look like much of a competitive baseball team yesterday. I think Ole Miss will probably win this one, but I don't. I think it'll be like a slow starter. I think it'll be like zero to zero in the fifth. Yeah, I think this game will be relatively close. I still think Ole Miss will win, but I don't think you can put too much weight into Georgia's performance yesterday because they, it was against the clear-cut number one team in the country in Arkansas. So, yeah, I think I think Ole Miss will ultimately win, but I think this game will be a little closer than uh, what people think. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking Ole Miss is going to win that one. But, again, I think between Ole Miss playing a very late game yesterday, and I, th- I think Georgia is they're, – they're a tournament team. I would say, yeah, I think this game will be close, but Ole Miss uh, it inches it out. 
and then the game that we have following that one starting at 4.30 is Florida versus Alabama. How are we feeling about that uh-huh. one? Kind of like, honestly, a little bit of a surprise matchup there. A lot of people would have expected the Tennessee-Mississippi State game to be taking place there. But instead, we're getting Florida and Alabama. Give me Bama. Bama's got the momentum. Give me Bama. Sorry, Kevin. Sorry, Mitch. All our other Gator fans out there, give me the tide. I think think Florida has looked mighty impressive. It's hard to pick against them. I'll be honest. I would like to see Alabama win the game. Uh, I don't. Who's Florida starting, Mitch? Do we know? Franco Allman. Okay, you don't really like him, so give me Georgia. <laughs> give me Alabama. Uh, yes, Georgia's not playing. <laughs> give me Alabama. I, I, I think Florida wins it. Just because if they're if their bats perform like they did Homer. yesterday, a little bit of a homer pick, yeah. But if their bats perform <laughs> like they did yesterday, I, I think they should take care of business. And then the last game of the day, starting at probably like nine o'clock or eight o'clock t- tonight, Alab- or Arkansas, not Alabama. Whew, we wow, Arkansas, we suck. And Vanderbilt, Kumar Rocker versus Patrick Wicklander. Who you know what? Like? Do you want me to go first? Uh, sure, you can go first. Uh, I'm not betting against Kumar. I will go to war with Kumar Rocker. Feed me the doors. I will say by a final score of four to two, but I think it's scoreless until the eighth. Very specific. I had the exact same score in mind. I don't know who's going to win, though. I literally cannot pick between the two. We've seen Kumar have a few rough spots this year, but I want I want Kumar to go do Kumar things. Basically, I'm rooting for as many innings as possible. I'm a huge fan of these games that end past midnight. Southern Miss would have been great if I had stayed awake for it, but I fell asleep in the middle. Uh, that game ended at three. I would like this game to top that. I want this game to go extend into the four o'clock region. I want to see 20, <laughs> 20 innings between Arkansas and Vanderbilt. Just give me a great game. If I have to pick a team to win, uh, I'm going to reward both teams. Both teams manage their pitching staff so well. There's the talk of how Arkansas doesn't want to be there from Arkansas fans, so I'll give it to the Vandy fans. But I don't want the whistler (laughs) to win. Give me Arkansas. I'm taking Arkansas. Ah, dear. You know, (laughs) funny enough, I also thought this game was going to end 4-2. So, oh, yikes! We were Look all just reading us. each other's minds here. Um, though, Wicklander has been really good in his last five starts. Kumar Rocker has been really good all year. I got to go with Kumar though. Kumar has he's yes, been doing sir. it. He did it in 2019. He'll do it again tonight. I feel, and he'll do it again right down the road, all the way to Omaha. I'm taking the Vanderbilt, or I'm taking Vanderbilt four to two. I want Iguodala. Go Knowles, baby. I want Iguodala. All right. Now, on to the next topic. We got other conference tournaments going on. There's, Believe it or not, there is more college baseball going on than just the SEC tournament. And there have been a couple teams who have needed wins this weekend, and they have lost. Mainly South Carolina and Florida State, both teams that were kind of on that bubble between are they going to host – or are they a two seed? 
and both of them dropped uh, South Carolina, obviously on uh, the first day to, was it Georgia or Alabama that beat them? Alabama. Alabama. That's right. Alabama. And then Florida state against Duke yesterday. And it wasn't even close. Now, Mitch, you talking have... about Fairfield, or am I just spacing out? Yeah, you didn't didn't mention Fairfield. Um, yeah, guys. and then yeah, Fair, Fairfield obviously did drop yesterday. Now I know one of the questions that we got was: Are Fairfield still in the tournament, or do they uh, get left out? Yes, I think yes, they're, they're yes, still in. Yes, 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 they are still in. Even if they lose, teams another... that lose two games all year long do not miss the tournament. Even if they lose again in their conference tournament, they're in. They have three losses on the year. That They're question in. comes from AJ Sessions, uh, but I, I am wondering. Uh, I, I believe Kendall Rogers said that if Fairfield doesn't win their conference tournament now that they've lost a game in it, it's not as much of a lock as we thought. I think they're still in, but that is it. It's going to be interesting when LSU fans, if we we go down that road, LSU fans on Monday find out they're not in the tournament and there's Fairfield in the last four in or last five in, however they label it. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how well LSU fans are going to take that. Obviously, when I think, you know, level-headed and they'll understand a conversation that has to happen, LSU fans will get it. <laughs> LSU fans are, are somebody that they'll be like, oh, yeah, well, when you break it down like that, you know, I'm glad we could have this great conversation and I don't feel like a victim at all. They'll be fine. But I know that there might be some out there who won't. Uh, yeah, Fairfield's a lock. Live update from the Metro Athletic Conference Tournament. Fairfield is currently beating Monmouth 3-0 in an elimination game in the uh, top of the fourth. Love to see recording that. This. The only thing that anybody knows about Monmouth is the bench mob. Otherwise, from basketball. Yes. And I guess uh, when you take a look at the other conference tournaments going on, there have been other upsets. Now, these teams are either – a already a lock for the top 16 in the terms of like East Carolina and then Texas and Tennessee, Texas and Tennessee are both locks for uh, hosting all the way through as a national seed. And then Charlotte lost yesterday, kind of an interesting one there as the conference USA tournament. When you think about how a good amount of quality teams, the conference conference USA kind of, goes over the head, but then you look at it and they go, they got four ranked teams in that uh, conference tournament right now. You know who I really like in the, uh, in, in the conference USA is that Southern Old Miss Dominion. <laughs> Old Dominion. Old Dominion. What yeah. about Old Dominion? <laughs> How about Southern Miss? <laughs> so if you have not tech? seen it yet, Reggie on our last podcast said that if Southern Miss is a regional host, he will shave a golden eagle into the side of his head. So we recorded that at literally one in the morning. Okay. <laughs> I was tired. I wanted to go to bed. You still said and it. I was, I was running on fumes. You know, you yeah, I said it. Is it going to happen? For, Absolutely not. Reggie is the one who he edits the, the podcast. Yeah. And he edited the next day. So for him to say, well, we recorded at one in the morning. Well, he had every chance that anyone could have had to edit it out. And that, also, that's, that's that's dishonest. I'm not going to do that. You know what's dishonest is going back content. on your word. That, yes, that is more <laughs> dishonest. Now, live update during the Conference USA tournament, bottom of the fifth. Florida Atlantic is beating Charlotte 9-2. to two. Tough look yikes. for Charlotte. Yikes, yikes. Golden Eagles. Charlotte, are what hot. are we doing, baby? 
just got a DM from our one of the favorites of the show, Eli Dalton Wilson, Mississippi State fan. We gave up on the regionals. So we can pencil in Tennessee. Uh, Eli Dalton Wilson is, I believe, a shortstop on the Mississippi State team. He just rallied the team, said we gave up. <laughs> <laughs> and t- Tennessee has won the game in the fifth inning. Just end it now. Save the arms. Eli, can you stop? Now, um, I mean, do we have really anything else to uh, cover on the upsets? I mean, East Carolina lost. Not definitely something I was not expecting. Uh, how about West Virginia? Uh, we we disrespected West Virginia on the podcast last week. Yes, we Colin did disrespect um, West Virginia. Which whichever team we either a disrespect or b we get super high on, they just lose right out. They lose if they if we were super high on them, or they win if we disrespect. Them. Not Ole Miss. Almost lost like ten hours ago. Did, I mean, to what, Vandy. What, are you? Yes, they looked good. But I mean, were we really either high, super high, or super low on Ole Miss? I've been snorting the Ole Miss cocaine for a couple days. Noah and I were. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Are I we mean, talk about cocaine on the CWS two four seven podcast. I don't see why not. <laughs> All right. All right, we got whatever. All so, right, all right. Let's. Let, oh, La Tech plays Southern Miss tonight. By the way, yeah, right? go Golden Eagles. That is that is scheduled yeah. for eight thirty. Uh, if it's it's the Conference USA tournament, though, so that means it could start anywhere from eight thirty to one in the morning. If they get more, if rain. there happens to be an overlap, we need Vandy, Arkansas on the TV, and then we're watching Southern Miss and La Tech on the phone, iPad, computer, uh, whatever. Whatever you have, that's what you need to be doing this Thursday night. Literally nothing else matters. If you have a if you have a Nokia uh, flip phone that can somehow stream it, that's what you're streaming it on. And completely unrelated, if you have a stencil of a golden eagle, uh, we can get you a mailing address. Yes. Uh, predictions <laughs> for the other two major uh, conference tournaments going on: ACC, Big Twelve, and well, you know we're throwing Conference USA in there also because. Uh, go Golden Eagles. Lock Golden tech. Eagles are locking it up. No, so no, they, no, no. Oh, shoot. What happens if Old Dominion wins? Old Dominion's not a host site. I don't what think happens Dominion. if Old Dominion wins CUSA? Who gets the CUSA host? I don't think I, the CUSA is just a guaranteed host. We're guaranteeing. I disagree. Well, so one of those, one of LaTeX, Southern Miss, and Charlotte is going to host. I think, I think at that point, it's whoever said, Old Dominion beats. A lot of people have unfortunately said that La Tech is not in the conversation anymore because of their their past week. But I, I don't know. They might they might what? win now. I, I, I don't know. But I would think that Southern Miss is, is in front right now of those three. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like Conference USA, if – because what? Who is – because Old Dominion has not beaten – either of the ranked teams yet because Charlotte dropped. We could have had a Charlotte Old Dominion matchup today, but Charlotte lost yesterday. So instead we're getting Old Dominion and Middle Tennessee State, which the thing for Old Dominion is what kind of hurts them is the fact they don't get to play Charlotte in that second in that matchup today. Instead they're playing Middle Tennessee State, whereas Louisiana Tech and Southern Miss get to strengthen their kind of resume by playing each other and old dominion misses out on Charlotte. So I think 
because whoever if Southern if Southern Miss or Louisiana Tech win in the uh, conference, either of those have one more ranked win than Old Dominion would. Or I guess if Charlotte came back and won it, they would have quite the resume. But I don't see that happening with the being down nine to two right now. So I think I think uh, Southern Miss and Louisiana Tech definitely put themselves in a much better outlook for that regional host than Old Dominion has just simply based off of the fact they get to play one more ranked team than Old Dominion would. Well, I think Kendall Rogers, I believe it was him that said, whichever team wins the CUSA will host a regional. Now, I, Old Dominion, I, I like you mentioned though. before, isn't a host, but I would say if we had to pick favorites right now and rank them in order, I would say it goes Southern Miss, LaTeX, Charlotte. I still think if Charlotte were to come back and win CUSA, they would probably host just because that would be a pretty impressive run because they'd have to yeah. beat um, a handful of teams. They they would have to be good teams to do that. They would have to beat Florida Atlantic, who is they're they're not in the tournament, I don't believe right now, but they're not a bad team in terms of the in terms of those mid level teams who are going to be out of the tournament. Yeah. All right. So Fun I guess times we, in Ruston. Let's go. So the, the ACC and Big Twelve. Who who are we feeling North for? North Carolina State. 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 Go pack. Huh. Yeah. And then uh twelve, I don't know. Throw a fork in the air and see who it lands on. Big twelve with Texas losing. I'm like I'm really liking Texas Tech. I also like Texas Tech. Yeah. Um, uh, Oklahoma State boat race Oklahoma yesterday. Don't let the Cowboys get hot, folks. I, it's just like you're gonna. So the winner of TCU and Texas Tech plays the winner of was Oklahoma State and West Virginia. Not 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 the matchup we would have expected in the uh, winners final in the Big Twelve. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be rooting for the Mountaineers to win this, especially after the disrespect that I certainly didn't contribute to but you two that was were, me folks that were, was we're, me we're dogging on them i think it's sick uh I, I i got west virginia winning winning the big 12 tournament you never see the worst you know second worst team come out and win a conference in, in any sport a conference tournament i would like to see it let's go mountaineers but i do think texas tech will win but i'm i'm hoping for yes, west because, virginia no i think i think i texted you at the beginning of the year telling you that i think west virginia is a college world series team uh, that doesn't sound right, but I will. If you said that, I will be sure to screenshot it. No, no like I, I, I really feel like I did say something. Along, maybe not College World Series team, but I said West Virginia was good. Yeah, I, I love their pitching. Their experienced pitching. Obviously, I don't love them anymore. But now, I, I think it was a I fun to, run. I think for the Big Twelve, I'd pick Texas Tech. You know, it's kind of, kind of sucks to pick. I guess the favorite would have been Texas coming in, but now after. Uh, the first two days the favorite probably is texas tech looking forward and then for the acc which by the way the acc conference tournament the more i learn about it the more i hate it the four groups of three and then if oh and if every team ties so every so every team wins one game in the pool every team goes one and one which is very likely in a pool play scenario where you only have three teams the top seed automatically goes through. It's not runs against. It's not run differential. It's not runs scored. It'd be errors, total errors. Team with the least amount of errors moves on. I love high fielding percentage teams. Let's go. So to the ACC tournament, 
the more I learn about it, the more I hate it. When you have pools of three and there's four pools, it's just that that in itself is just stupid. And then you follow it up with if there is a tie in the pool, you just send the top seed through, which is very likely in a pool play scenario where you only have three teams. It's very likely they go one and one. Oh, yeah. So basically, essentially what we're saying at that point, as long as the top seed in the pool wins one game, and the other, and then if they, their, their chances of going through are incredibly high because all they need is the other two teams to split. So I think when you, when you look at it, it makes sense for if like a smaller conference were to do that, something like the Summit League, where you want your best team in the tournament because you may only have one team in the conference who's even close to being tournament worthy. So I think for the ACC, your top teams are going to the national tournament no matter what. You don't need them to play for that automatic bid. I just think it takes away from what you want a conference tournament to be, which is excitement on on expectation and something – you want something crazy to happen. And when you have a tiebreaker of, well, the top seed just moves on, it's nothing – it's going to be exactly what you expected with your top four teams playing on the weekend. Now, if I had to pick a team, my pick for the ACC tournament, give me North Carolina State. I'm with Reggie on that yes, one. Sir. I, I also like the Wolfpack. They've been hot of recent. They're playing well. They're Sometimes when it comes to college sports, especially college basketball and college baseball, it's just about getting hot at the right time. And they are a team that is hot right now. I'm going to go against the grain, folks. I'm I'm going to take uh, either Notre Dame. Either Notre Dame <laughs> or I'm going to go with Miami to win the ACC tournament. Nobody's talking about Miami. It always seems like that one of these conference tournaments, a random team kind of wins. Like Oklahoma State won a few years ago when they had no business winning and really helped their their seeding. I think Miami's right in that 2-3 line right now. And I think that when they win the if they win the ACC tournament, they'll be that two seed. Notre Dame is getting a lot of disrespect. And I think that it might be some bulletin board material. But I don't, I don't, I'm not sure you use it yet. I think it's kind of like, oh, I'm going to post on the bulletin, but let's wait until regionals. Uh, but a lot of people are saying, oh, Notre Dame shouldn't be ranked this high because they're trash. Uh, Notre Dame might turn some heads. I doubt it if they win the ACC tournament. But I think Miami is going to come out on top. NC State's a great story. Nobody loves NC State more than me. But uh, it, it seems like they got, they got a little hot a little too early. I think that they'll, they'll still be hot heading into the NCAA tournament. But – it just seems like that that mega hot team doesn't ever win the conference tournament when we expect them to. Changes. All right. The Wolves. Pack Wolves. Wolf Wolves. All right. Do we, uh, do we want to move on and talk about our top 16 teams currently? I would love to do that, do Mitch. that Mitch. All right. Who wants to go first? I would love to go first. All right, Reggie, what, what you got? So I'm going to spice things up. Arizona at number one. Excuse uh, me? I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Arkansas, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and then Arizona at four. Texas Tech, Notre Dame, Mississippi State. If they drop this game, like it looking like it, uh, Mississippi State will fall. Texas at ACU, TCU, Oregon, Florida, Ole Miss, Stanford, Atec, Gonzaga. Did you say you have – Texas at eight. Yeah. <laughs> Disrespect. Okay. Yeah. Um, I... If 
if you are one of the 13 people that read my uh, initial CWS 247 article, you will have seen the flow chart that says I hate Texas. I don't hate any teams except for Texas. As one of the 13, I was proud to read that. Uh, in response to your I don't hate any teams, may I add Louisville? Uh, I don't really hate Louisville. I really like McDonald. Mm, okay. My, my top 16, uh, one, Arkansas, two, Vanderbilt, three, Texas Tech, four, Texas, five, Tennessee, six, Arizona, seven, Notre Dame, eight, Mississippi State, nine, Stanford, 10, Oregon, 11, Florida, 12, East Carolina, 13, TCU, 14, Gonzaga, 15, Southern Miss, and 16, NC State. Oh, my. Me and Noah are drinking the same Kool-Aid over here, apparently, because I got one Arkansas, two Vanderbilt, three Texas, four Tennessee, five Texas Tech, six Arizona, seven Notre Dame, eight Mississippi State, nine Oregon, 10 Stanford, 11 Ole Miss, 12 Florida, 13 TCU, 14 East Carolina, 15 NC State, 16 Southern Miss. Southern Miss is so good. (laughs) Yep, so good. A lock, like... CUSA lock, uh, sweep the regional, sweep supers. They're just going to walk their way to the national Now, will you get an actual Golden Eagle tattoo if Southern Miss plays in Omaha? No. <laughs> no. Can you, can, can you I've, get I've like a temporary learned. tattoo, like one that lasts like a month? No. <laughs> a, a henna tattoo. No. A, no. What a, a, is ta- that? <laughs> a temporary golden eagle tattoo on the cheek no like mike tyson style golden eagle no 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 uh, sorry southern miss fans well it's okay the shaved head will be enough <laughs> <laughs> all right on to our uh Twitter reply mailbag questions. Brandon Burgess. There's a new feature. Credit everybody who decided to go ahead and and send some questions. We have so many that's a whole segment now. Congratulations. Brandon Burgess asks, where's your money on the Sunbelt tourney with so many healthy teams and new pool play for this year? First off, I couldn't tell you anything about the the Sunbelt tournament until I looked it up about five minutes before we did this podcast. And okay, pool play. I'm not really a fan of pool play in the in a conference tournament. I'm I'm not gonna hide that one. And then after looking at the uh, at, at the uh, teams in it, really between Southern or South Alabama and Georgia Southern, and I'm gonna go with the uh, South Alabama. I believe they're the Jaguars. Yep, I'm also gonna they go with U- USA here. That is South Alabama's abbreviation. It's gonna look really cool in a regional when we see the USA abbreviation. So give me give me the give me the Jags. Uh, I also hate pool play, so I don't know why the the fun belt. Wait a second, Coastal Carolina's in the fun belt. Give me Coastal, <laughs> Coastal. Uh, as soon as uh, I said fun belt, three in my games head. above five hundred. But Coastal has been good in the tournament. I don't. I know they won a game. I don't know if they've won again, but they won a game. That's enough for me. Coastal Carolina is winning this thing. Sorry, South Alabama, you just got screwed. But give me Coastal. Didn't Coastal? My money in the sun belt is on fourteen to seven. Does that eliminate them? Oh. Well, it's a pool play, so nobody knows. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, Coastal lost to South Alabama fourteen to seven yesterday, and that's so. when back on South Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> Georgia Southern will win the Sun, folks. 
All right. <laughs> well, fun piece of trivia for you guys about the Sun Belt. When Coastal Carolina won the national championship in 2016, the NCAA athletic calendar <laughs> flipped to the new year because the College World Series was delayed by one day due to massive rain on Bobby Dahlbeck's birthday, uh, who played for Arizona at the time. But Coastal was in there, and then game three was a day after the NCAA tournament flipped, or the NCAA calendar flipped. So Coastal Carolina, their first day in the Sun Belt ever, won a national I, championship. Two things I remember from that, that College World Series. One, the rain, the, the rain delay in the, uh, the Wednesday game, so the championship was played on – Thursday at 11 a.m. and it's just like stands locked. were empty. Yeah, there was like there was nobody there because who's going to be was there? A on national a- championship game three and the stands were empty. Thursday yeah, you, you, at 11 a.m. Leg room. You could yeah. rest your legs up on the seats in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> and two, so Coastal Carolina played Florida the first round, beat Florida. I I remember I can't remember who started for Florida. I want to say it was Logan Shore. And then AJ Puck came was uh, warming up in the bullpen. AJ Puck enters the game, throws one pitch, hits a guy in the head, gets yanked. So I, in the span of like three minutes, I'm sitting on the third baseline. I watch him jog in from the bullpen, throw one pitch, hit a guy in the head, and just walk off to the dugout. It was just in the, it was like a span of like three, maybe five minutes. And it's like AJ Puck is a very large guy, and it was just very, it was pretty funny to watch this. Uh, looking back on it, by the time as as a Florida fan kind of sucked because Florida lost to Coastal Carolina and I didn't hear the end of it from all my friends for the next about mm, two weeks. Yeah, uh, I, I was sitting right by the uh, third baseline where Puck walked in, like front row seats, first time I've ever sat front row, not to brag about my millions. And I was there, and here he comes <laughs> trotting in, and it's like, oh, why are they bringing their number two starter in the bullpen? Yeah, very and then, weird. <laughs> and then he hits the guy and then does not pitch in the College World Series again. Now, when you consider, I was texting about this earlier, but when you consider the arm talent that that Florida team had, it was kind of incredible because you had Logan Shore, AJ Puck, Alex Fiedo, Dane Dunning, uh, Brady Singer, and Jackson Coar. Then Michael Byrne was the closer that year. Just an insane amount of arm talent. But yeah, again, why was AJ Puck coming in relief? Clearly, not something he was comfortable doing because he had not done it all year. And just threw one wild pitch, and it was just—it was a very rough time for the Gators that year. Uh, so yeah, we hoped all that answers your question about the Sun Belt. <laughs> we, we we spent a minute talking about who's going to win it, and five minutes talking about Coastal Carolina winning the College World Series. Twenty sixteen College World Series. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the yeah. Uh, next question came from Eli Dalton Wilson. Uh, asked, what are the national seeds? We already kind of covered that with our top 16. Do we really feel any need to go into more depth We can We that? can break it down into the top eight. That's a thing that Mississippi State fans should be having a heart attack about. Uh, my, my top eight, Mississippi State, Notre Dame, Arizona, Tennessee, Texas, Texas Tech, Vandy, and Arkansas. Stanford knocking on that door. Uh, I would say that if Mississippi State fans want to hold on to that top eight seed, you guys better hope Florida starts losing. Yeah, they need they need help from other teams to start losing. Because I think with the way Mississippi State has looked, I mean, they've scored now two runs in 13 innings, and the score of this game is currently 7-1 to one, Tennessee, and Tennessee's got runners on the corners in the bottom of the sixth. So looking very rough for Mississippi State, they're going to need some losses elsewhere. Reggie, you got anything uh, to add like to this? Uh, not to that. I, I like the second half of this question. Will the RPI matter or not to the selection committee? I would say no. 
Um, usually in in normal year, RPI is a big driving factor in terms of where teams go, what teams are in, what teams are out, what teams are both teams. Here, I think it's a little different because you have two conferences in the MAC and the Big Ten who are playing no non-conference games. And I know we've mentioned them on the pod before. Nobody really knows how good the Big Ten teams are just because they've played Big Ten teams. Yeah. So if you look at the RPI – or sorry, you can continue. Well, I I just – I was almost done anyway. I don't think RPI matters as much as as it does in a regular year. I don't want to say used to because next year RPI will be the same as it has been in the last five years. But this year is a little different. When you look at the RPI for the Big Ten teams, I think the highest is Nebraska, and like in their like mid forties. Now, when you consider like uh, how the committee has viewed the Big Ten winner of previous years, the Big Ten winner is normally a high two seed in the tournament. Correct me if I'm wrong. I I believe that's the case normally, but so I think Nebraska will end up with a higher two seed um, in terms of where they end up. And now they're with their when you consider their RPI ranking, it you look at that and you go, well, maybe they shouldn't be that high because their RPI ranking is so low. But they haven't played anyone outside of the Big Ten, and the Big Ten outside of your top three, maybe four, depending on how you view a team like Maryland. I know the top three are for sure Michigan, Indiana, and then Nebraska at the top, and then you got Maryland and Iowa behind them. But I'd say it's it's really hard to value that conference when you haven't played anyone outside of it and you have the bottom teams in that conference are just so below the top tier. Yeah, uh, I uh, also listened to the SEC uh, uh, broadcast uh, when they talked about the importance of RPI this year. Uh, and they, they were talking about how, well, we don't really know anything about the Big Ten. And... Uh, that's, you know, something that they are tending to say when it comes to all conferences that aren't the SEC. Uh, but I, I do agree that the RPI is just is a little less important than it is this year. I still think it is going to be very important for the committee. So I think it will matter. The degree is how much it will matter. And uh, if you guys want me to break out more Ben McDonald accents, I will be happy to do so on this, uh, this podcast. And... Uh, I, I think that it's going to be tough to judge the Big Ten and, and the MAC, and and I don't know how many real non-conference games the Pac-12 played. I think they've played mostly West Coast, which doesn't well, really offer that much variety. To to kind of give you a uh, thought of what the Pac-12 is playing for their out-of-conference games, Arizona, the last weekend of the year, no conference tournament, are playing a series against Dixie State. <laughs> so are, I, I are think, we really uh, playing out-of-conference games at that point? I think Max Ferguson was reaching for Alabama's second baseman's Dixie State. <laughs> um, Brandon Baroness asked, who's last two in and first two out for the SEC on regional spots? Are I, I'm Noah, are you are you more like familiar with what he's asking here? Because I feel like I can interpret this a couple of ways. Yeah, I don't know if he's necessarily asking for like regional spots as an NCAA tournament spots or for hosting regionals. Um, I, I would say that if, if we're going to be talking about just hosting regional, I think South Carolina is on the outside looking in. Yeah. Uh, and then. I, I think it's pretty pretty clear cut. Like who's like hosting? Like Florida's not. Florida wasn't going to lose that hosting position. Yeah. They're certainly not now. Ole Miss is definitely going to be hosting a super or a regional. 
and I, I think I think that there's a clear clear divide there. I would say that mm, there's there's really nobody where like who's who's still alive in the SEC tournament. Like there's nobody that is going to now play themselves into a regional yeah. host. Yeah, because you got I mean Alabama and and Georgia. Neither of those yeah. are gonna are even both of those are on the bubble of getting in it in the, in the tournament. Yeah. yeah. Like, so then, yeah, if we interpret it like as the NCAA tournament, then then Alabama, uh, Georgia would need to go on a little bit of a run. I would say Kentucky's out. Yeah, obviously. I mean, Alabama's probably they if I think I'd say they've played probably in. They're probably in with that one over Tennessee. Um, who else? Georgia. And LSU, I'd say LSU's in, and Georgia's is Georgia in. Uh, I I don't know where like people like Kendall Rogers stand on Georgia. Uh, me personally, I think Georgia's in and LSU's out. But like, I uh, this is a little bit of breaking news. Baylor is now losing to Kansas State by a lot, so I'm afraid Baylor is now going to be out of the tournament, which probably puts LSU back in if they were so, ever out. The uh, field of 64 that Kendall Rogers put out has Alabama as the first team out of the tournament and has LSU as one of the last five in. I think those should be switched. I, if you, if you're picking between those two teams, I would agree. Now I'm someone who I value the sec at a much higher level than the rest of the conferences in the country, because they play at a much higher level than the rest of the teams in the uh, country. And just trying to trying to see if uh, Kendall Rogers has Georgia in his current field of so yeah he has Georgia as the three at East Carolina and then doesn't have Alabama in and has LSU in or yeah LSU in and Alabama out if honestly I think you could get all three Georgia Alabama and LSU in with a team like Baylor losing and if Oklahoma uh, loses today because who's Oklahoma's playing Texas? Yeah, Oklahoma, if Oklahoma loses to Texas today, I feel like Oklahoma is probably or they are out. Then not probably that's they are out. And I mean, it, it, it's hard to talk about the who's in, who's out when you're only considering the SEC teams. Yeah, it's all I guess no idea of you have anything else to add to this. No. Um. Tyler Lowe asks, would you rather see regionals be more regional or more of a true seating format, ignoring location? Uh, I, I think that I would rather see it as, as true seating, but at the same time, I, I want them to ignore location a little bit in the sense that I hate when we see a conference matchup as a super regional. But here's the thing with setting up a bracket is that as a NCA committee member, can you really say, okay, this host versus this host, if they both win, they're going to play each other. I think that's hard to ignore. But at the same time, can you really say this is college baseball, so we know for sure that they're going to play each other, so we shouldn't do it? I think it's hard to say that, oh, the NCAA tournament is the best like bracket format ever, yeah. but at the same time be like, oh, well, we shouldn't schedule these SEC, SEC host regions against each other because we know they're just going to play each other. It puts the NCAA in a very tough spot, especially when you're considering like, like let's say Mississippi State is the one somewhere, and then like 
uh, this won't even work, but we'll just use an example. Tennessee is a two in the next door region. Yeah. Like, let's pretend it's a normal year. And, like, could you as the NCAA be like, well, we, we shouldn't do that because Tennessee is probably going to win because they're yeah. in the SEC. I mean, like, a, a potential matchup that we, we were kind of talking about in the last couple of weeks before Mississippi State lost presumably two in Hoover was Mississippi State is, like, the six to, like, eight range and, like, Ole Miss in that 13 to 10 range where they those two teams could get matched up with each other in a super regional matchup. Now, I – I think the uh, committee does normally does a pretty good job about this because I mean they always match up. It seems like Florida and Florida State, Clemson and Auburn. I know was one was a pretty hot matchup at some points. You want to do it in a way in which you have you have teams who are close enough in re, in region to where you can have them play against each other and have fans in the seats from both teams in that super regional. I think that is something that the NCAA does a good job of. And I think you definitely should focus on the fact of they need to have the uh, true seating format and not just base it off of regional. Cause I mean, I think the only reason you could argue, Oh, well we need to make base it more off of region than anything else would be due to any of the COVID protocols. But at this point, a lot of those restrictions are being raised. So I think right now the committee should focus on more having it the traditional. We're basing it off of your true seating, and we'll worry about the regional aspect second. All right. And then uh, our next question comes from Richard Willis. Uh, he says, unlike you, I want uh, – it's not really a question. Unlike you, I want GA ticket books in Omaha. I've always found it convenient to just grab a book and be able to see which games I wanted. Always stand in center field if that option is available. I hate the thought of assigned seats. I'd pay double for the book for the way it was. Uh, in, um, ca- in case you missed it, the NCAA or the College World Series changed the way general admission has done this year, and now every seat in the stadium is a reserved ticket. Um, part of me – I don't know. I agree. And disagree I really like GA. I agree. I disagree with it as well. I don't really think there's any need for the um, assigned seats in the outfield. And I think it kind of takes away the, the fun of GA in itself. Yeah. People, people literally stand outside and wait for hours to watch these games. And it's the party. GA is one big ass party and yeah. it's always fun. It's always, you know, some of my favorite memories of college world series games are, are wa- just watching the GA section and seeing all the madness that goes on there. It literally looks like it looks like an sec game. Uh, you have, and most of it consists of college aged kids. You don't see a lot of families of four sitting out in the GA section. It's a bunch of, it's usually a bunch of college kids out there yeah. just having a blast. So yeah, like um, uh, I, older I, high school kids, your college kids are sitting out yeah. there. I, I I really don't think we're gonna see a lot of those of that demographic at the Colorado series this year just yeah. because reserved seats are a thing. So I, I personally I hate it. I I've never been someone who, oh, if I'm gonna go to a game, I'll go sit in GA. I definitely prefer to have my own reserved seat where I can get up. I can go to concessions. I don't have to worry about coming back 
and now I can't find a seat. Well, it looks like I'm standing till somebody else gets up. I think that GA, it's good for what it brings in the sense of what it's bringing is it's bringing an atmosphere to the uh, stadium rather than just uh, a lot of families or people who are paying for the seats. And two, it's getting people into the stadium who may or may not be your normal uh type of people who are going to come and watch a college baseball game. So if you're getting people into the stadium who don't normally watch college baseball and they're sitting in GA, they're having a, if they're having a good time, they're going to associate a good time with college baseball and it will help grow the game. It will get more fans, get more eyes on the game, which is something that the sport needs. And it'll help it grow as a whole and help it get more coverage if you have more of an audience for it. So I think GA bringing that is a good aspect. And also it's sometimes if you just want to, if you sometimes would just get hit up by a friend, just be like, Hey, you want to go to a game, sit GA. Yeah. We got to wait in line for a little bit. Yeah. I think you're not guaranteed a seat, but it's about the experience of just going out to the ballpark, hanging out with a couple buddies for, with cheap tickets, which is what GA is. And you're just hanging out. You're having a good time. You're watching a little baseball on the side. Sometimes the good time takes over the, the watching the baseball, but you get a little bit of both and it's an experience. Now I am the president of the no fun club. So I, have never liked GA. I think GA is uh, gross. Yeah, I think GA is for for the kids. I think GA is, hey, let's go, uh, let's go take pictures together and let's go start the wave, and not watch the baseball game at all. So naturally, I hate everything that GA is about. I love this reserve seating this year. I think it should be like this from now on. The price is only doubled. Uh, although I I did find out that the the Whoa, $20... dollars doubled. Yeah, it's it's a twenty dollar ticket now. And it, it oh, actually goes yikes. it goes all the way up to thirty for for night games. So the NCAA yeah, is making there a will lot be of no college kids or high school kids. Uh, I, I disagree. Holy I think that the, I think that people will still go because here's you know where do these people come from? What does the demographic of GA look like? They're driving out from West Omaha. You go from West Omaha, <laughs> you end up downtown. You pay for parking, and then you go up to some scalper as a as a GA person, and you're like, oh, let me go buy a ticket now. I think it does hurt the Arkansas fans who are going to be traveling up here, who remembers that sea of red in 2018. But the average, you know, older high school, college kid, whatever, they're going to buy the ticket anyway. They, they may not come back, but they'll buy they'll buy at least one. And if you get them for one game for $30, you just really get them for the price of three. So congratulations, uh, NC, or CWS, on making your, your money there. Uh, I reached out to a source within the pro, within the uh, – within the whole establishment of how things are set up and the board of directors, some of them wanted uh, regular GA and there was, there was a pretty big fight about it within, within inside. And then people have like called and been ranting about GA. So I know that people are gen are, are upset, but I don't care. I, I don't, like, <laughs> I don't like GA. I don't like the massive line of people. And I understand that that's part of the experience for some people, but I, I think it's ridiculous that, if, if I were to, like, let's say that the entire, like, all the normal reserve tickets were, like, season tickets and you had to buy GA if you were going to go, standing in that line, I, I disagree about growing the game. I think it hurts the game because if you want to go get a front row seat for a night game, you have to be in line for that night game at, like, 8 in the morning. So you're watching half of the baseball that's being played at that stadium because for the first full game, you're standing outside like a buffoon. And you, you can't have open containers in, in Nebraska. So the, the standing in line aspect really isn't that fun for the Southern people. 
it just it just <laughs> I don't like. So this year you get to pay double the price, but you're guaranteed a seat. You can get up from your seat and guaranteed to come back to it. And you don't have to stay in line for 12 hours a day. So I, th- I think it's great. Yeah, I guess it's definitely something we're going to have to uh, kind of keep an eye on during the course of the College World Series and see if that's something that does change in the future. Now, I guess we can move on to our next question at this point. Chris Muller asked the hypocrisy of 11.7 scholarships. Um, I mean, there's it, it's hard to it, it's hard to kind of debate this because at the end of the day, scholarships are based off of the amount of money that are brought into each individual sport. And college baseball, when you look at it, yeah, 11.7 scholarships being split across. I mean, your normal college baseball roster has what? 30 to 35 players. So each, basically each person's getting a third of a scholarship. I mean, what, what, what really is there to say about what, like, what would the solution to this be? I guess what, what, what's your guys' thoughts on this? It's hard to tell. I don't think there's a solution at all. Yeah. It's hard to tell like an academic institution that they should divvy up more scholarships for athletics because people who don't follow sports absolutely hate that. How, oh, if you if you can throw a baseball ninety miles an hour, you get to go to college for free. But my kid who has a four GPA has to pay. Yeah, it's 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 hard to say for people who don't like sports. But the reality for people who don't like sports is that the reason that your kid has college to go to is because of the money that sports bring in. So it's a it's a little bit of a two way street. But uh, the hypocrisy within that, I guess, this is a pretty open ended question comparing it to to Vanderbilt as well, how they have more scholarships than 11.7. I don't really know if if hypocrisy is the right word, but it's, it's interesting how the Vanderbilt program has become sort of a, like almost like an Alabama football level system of pumping out professionals versus everybody else struggling to keep up with the different number of scholarships. And uh, there's been a, a a documentary that came out. It's not, it's like on a, it's like a, it's like his own site deal. I'll, I'll send it to you guys. I think a lot of people watched it. I think Eli Dalton Wilson shouted him again, told told us to check it out for sure. It's it's a uh, one of those big things that that breaks down the scholarship thing, and every SEC school is involved. Like they spoke, had a spokesperson and ESPN people are in it, but Vanderbilt uh, declined all interview requests. So there's they they know. Hmm. Reggie, got anything to say on this? Um. Yeah. I just don't think, like you said, it's all about money. And until college baseball grows to the point where, you know, major TV networks, just using that as an example, want to cover the sport more than they already do. Um, I just don't think it's going to change. And yeah. we see that yeah, they, I'm, I'm pulling my words here, but how many regular season college baseball games are on national TV? The SEC very, very, has very few, maybe two a weekend, and that's the top tier level of play that you're seeing. Yes. How many, how many Big Ten, Big 12 ACC games are on cable TV on a Saturday night? Zero. And uh, until that, cha- yeah, I was gonna say, until I was gonna say, that changes. <laughs> I, I was gonna just, say, I just the don't Big think Ten, this is a mess. <laughs> Yeah, this is a mess. We're just talking to each other. But the Big Ten has the occasional like Sunday game on the Big Ten Network. But oh yeah, not, I did forget about the Big Ten Network. Okay. You're not seeing games like you're not turning on 
ESPN on Saturday and you're seeing college baseball, you may occasionally, I think there was one game this year. It was like when it was Vanderbilt versus someone it might, did Vanderbilt play Mississippi state on ESPN two this year. I want to say that's who it was, but it was, there was like one or two ESP or um, SEC games that were shown on ESPN two. But other than that, everything is shown on ESPN, U, SEC network, ACC network, and the Big Ten Network, like all your local network pages or uh, network broadcasts. But for most people, the only way to see those games is if you pay for an ex- extra, like if you have a cable package, the only way to see those is if you pay for the extra sports package. So like with your like standard cable package, the only one that you're going to get is anything that's on ESPN or ESPN2. So you're looking at outside of the postseason play, you're looking at, maybe a grand total of three regular season games that you'll be able to watch. And then you show an interest of games that aren't on TV. So you go to the NCAA.com website to view your, your college baseball scores and you go there. And for an hour after the game, as well as during the entirety of the game, you have NCAA reporting that uh, Virginia tech beat Notre Dame eight to zero. When in fact, uh, Notre Dame won the game eight to zero. Imagine it, it like that happening in any other sport, football, basketball, that that would never happen where yeah. you just get the score wrong and credit the other team with a win. I'm sure that like messed up like any like digital bracket they had as well. So anybody who was unable to watch the Notre Dame Virginia Tech game and for some reason was relying on the ACC to the NCAA. Up, NCAA. The NCAA with the NCAA to provide them with updates, then uh, certainly they were uh, led astray by the, the organization that governs the sport. Yeah. I mean, I, we, we've kind of gone on for a, a lot more than just the, the uh, 11.7 scholarships for college baseball at this point. But to, I guess to end it, it's very hard to tell somebody you have to give more money to something when college baseball, I don't want to sound negative when I say this, it doesn't bring in the amount of money that something like college basketball or uh, college football brings in to which you can have like the correct number of scholarships to cover a full team. Um, moving on, the next question is from Mitchell Meyer. He asks, how many SEC teams make it to Omaha? My uh, thought process on this has been, I don't know what you said, there's never been more than four, or at least since it's moving yeah, to TD Ameritrade. Yeah. And I didn't want to look back any farther. So I, <laughs> I assume, it, I assume it's, been far, it's been longer than that. I know like 2010, it was definitely not four. So we'll say at least 2009. Yep. which I can confidently say that there weren't four there either. But it goes on for a while where there has not been more than four, just the way the bracket is set up, I think. I I would say there's going to be probably four teams from the SEC that are, that are uh, in the top eight. And I would say one of those teams gets upset, just, just based off of the past and what we've seen in terms of the top eight seeds getting upset and – how many times do we do we get only ha- half of the national seeds make it to Omaha? So for me, I would say I'd probably sit around four. Yeah, because we're like, gonna we're gonna end up with about six that are top sixteen seeds. When uh, Mitchell Meyer tweeted this at me, it was shortly I, after I asked the question, like, "Oh, you guys have any things you want to talk about on the podcast?" Uh, and I just saw the tweet pop up, and I like didn't even think, so I answered it immediately. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm going to go with four. So I'm going to stick with my answer at four. I said I'd go more in depth on the podcast, but that was really just to cover me because I was like, I didn't mean to answer this right now. 
but I'm not going to go more in depth. Sorry. I mean, I kind of covered that for you. There's not yeah. Reggie, you, th- you thinking four also, or you got a different number to throw out there? Um, I don't know. I think Arkansas and Vandy are definite lock. I think those two will for sure be in Omaha after that. Tennessee, probably um, Mississippi state. I don't know. I don't know. They, uh, they need to figure it out. Ole Miss, same thing. Florida, maybe. I think three right now is the safest bet. Um, and obviously, depending on regional sites, you could get four, maybe even five, if everybody gets a, uh, a draw that favors them. Wow. Reggie's saying five is a possibility. Three well, eight's a possibility. Well, eight's a possibility. Yeah, yeah, eight I, just is think, possibility. I, I think when you're talking realistic conversation, it's going to be four. I think I would not be surprised if the committee has, if two of the teams who are top 16 seeds are matched up with each other in that possible super regional matchup. Like right yeah. now, looking at the like the D, Division One baseball projection, you got Tennessee is the five and Ole Miss is the 12. Yeah, you, you, I think it's been a couple of years in a row now where they've had one SEC versus SEC super. I want to say it was it was Arkansas, South Carolina, not too long ago. It was Mississippi State, Vandy. Mississippi State played LSU, Florida, uh, Auburn, one year. Yeah, they, which they do Auburn, that all the time, which is unfortunate. Florida went to Omaha off of I can't remember who the outfielder was for Auburn, but he uh, he went up mm-hmm. to grab it. It was not leaving the ballpark, I think and it the was ball a, hits Stephen Williams. I think yes, that's correct. Hits him in the glove. The ball goes over the wall, and Florida walks it off off that was, of that uh, was him tipping enough. it over the wall. That was an Austin Langworthy home run, I believe. Yeah, that sounds right. Who was at Florida for 20 years? Probably <laughs> still is there. No, he, he actually did not come back for the COVID year. He left, surprisingly. Wow. So he was there last year. And this, this uh, Florida-Auburn we... game was like in like 2018. So it's been a while. All right. Um, I think that's it. I think we have covered everything yeah, we need to cover. That is everything I think... we have. Um, this might be the longest podcast we've ever done. Maybe it just I, feels like that because I need to go somewhere, but this yeah, feels I like mean, a very long podcast. Reggie, you get the pleasure of covering the uh, Summit League tournament this weekend. Yep. In 45 minutes, I will be at Tal Anderson Field watching Oral Roberts in South Dakota State. So We have uh, sent, um, sent Reggie out on an assignment. Uh, yep, I am working for CWS 247. Uh, that's not true. That's not what the press pass says, but uh, that's what we're doing this weekend. All right. So there we well, go. This is everything that we had to talk I, about. I will, I will take camera. I will send uh, Noah some fantastic pictures of the Summit League tournament that he can tweet out because I know Perfect. all of our fans are dying to hear about yes. how Oral Roberts in South Dakota State plays baseball. Eli Dalton Wilson right. is texting me right now. Uh, Love to see Need it. Summit League updates now, which is just incredible. All right. Well, have a good weekend. Enjoy the rest of the college baseball you have this weekend and can't wait till uh, Monday when we get to know who, what 64 teams made the tournament. Let's go golden Eagles and uh, stay tuned for a couple surprise guests on the podcast. Yep. Thank you. Oh my. Leaving with a cliffhanger. Goodbye thank, everyone. Thank you for listening. Have a good one.